I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Tuesday the 12th of November. I'm Jules Breach. He's Andy Brassel and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. With Mason Greenwood coming in and having Martial and having Rashford and having Daniel James, he's got a lot of pace in his forward line. I think it's paramount that he goes and buys a proper centre forward. Coming up, we'll discuss the Lionesses and their development under Phil Neville, the mini resurgence at Manchester United, and we'll talk all about diving in the Premier League and a little bit on Richarlison as well. Andy, we've got to start with the breaking news that has just come out that Neil Warnock has parted company with Cardiff City. We just walked into the studio ready to record... And then we've seen this news, so we've got to got to have a quick chat about this. Are you surprised? Yes. Um, a little bit. I can't say I've followed the championship enormously closely this season, but you know he is a coach who has really marked the recent history of Cardiff City. Uh, maybe expectations overextended a bit by his almost miraculous getting them into the the, the Premier League, and he wasn't far off keeping them there as well um, with, without an absolutely uh, humongous budget, of course. He, and this is no comment on how the directors of the club have necessarily dealt with it, but he had to deal uh, with the Emiliano Salah thing as well, which was awful for him. And I think you could tell that that really affected him. I mean, he's someone who's very open, sometimes too open about the the, the way he feels. But with that, I think he he came out of what was an incredibly difficult situation with a lot of personal credit from that. And... um, you just wonder what next for him. I mean, it's easy to think at 70 years old that maybe that will be it for him. 
But there's always some sort of promotion push around the corner for Neil Warnock, isn't there? It's incredible that he's 70 years old, still managing in, you know, the, the highest end of the, the football pyramid, yeah. really. And and like you say, I think he did a brilliant job getting Cardiff to the Premier League. He was so entertaining last year in the Premier League, both in terms of his management style and the way he was with the media as well. Uh, I can just remember quite a few moments that were laugh out loud. Um, and it's, it's a shame to see him go, especially because I'm assuming it's down to Cardiff's recent run of form and their results. They're 14th in the Championship. But... There is this expectation that when clubs get relegated from the Premier League, that it's simple to bounce back and get promoted again the next season. And that is not easy. You look at the three clubs that came down last season. Fulham are just outside the playoffs as it stands. And Huddersfield are only just above the relegation zone on three points. And they had an awful start to this season. So Cardiff in 14th, you know, obviously that's not where Cardiff fans want to see their club, but they're not that far off the playoff places. It's so competitive in the championship. They're only seven points off, off sixth place. You're right. And you made such a good point there about Huddersfield, actually. They've had a great mini run under the Cowleys. Mm. Otherwise, they'd be probably below Barnsley, wouldn't they, at at the moment? And you do look at the teams between Cardiff and the playoffs. There's some quality in there. I mean, I think you have to look at at Fulham, um, Brentford, certainly. It's tough. There are loads of teams in there. And not everyone can make it. I mean, that is the thing we've we've seen. And again, it's something that you pointed out earlier when we were talking about it off mic. The fact that there's been quite a turnover of coaches in the championship already this season. It's because the the league is so tough. It's Mm. so hard to get out of the championship. And when you look at the table and how close it is at the top, the lead is changing constantly. West Brom managed to keep their place at the top this weekend. But you look at Preston, Leeds and Swansea and Forest, they've all been top of the table already this yeah. season and it's constantly changing. I think last weekend, so not the one just gone, but the one before, the lead at the top changed four times over the course of the weekend because mm. of when the teams were playing. And that's what the championship is like. It is relentless. There are so many matches. They've already played 16 games. But when you look at Cardiff and trying to understand exactly why Neil Warnock has left and, and why they decided to park why he decided to park company with the club or whether it was their decision or his, we're not really sure at this stage because it's such new news. Well, they've said mutual, haven't they? Mutual But mutual consent. never means mutual. Ever, you know, what does that even mean? In breakups, mutual never means mutual. <laughs> it doesn't. But, but I think if you look at the teams below Cardiff as well, it's indicative of something. Okay, Derby are quite struggling under Philip Koku. Then you look at clubs like Stoke, Middlesbrough, Huddersfield that you were talking about before, Blackburn, who um, obviously have relatively recently come back up to the championship. These are all big clubs. A manager who I think is worth us discussing as well off the back of a record-breaking attendance this weekend at Wembley for the women's game, England against Germany and Phil Neville. Because... It's been an interesting development Mm. over the last couple of years since Phil Neville took over as the manager of the Lionesses. And I have to say, first of all, just amazing attendance to see that. It's It's the biggest crowd that the Lionesses have had on home soil. So to get such a huge crowd out, particularly on a weekend, you know, where there was lots of other football, because that tends to be what what stops fans going to women's football if there's 
other football on on that weekend. And yet we got such a huge crowd at Wembley, despite the fact it was a Premier League weekend. Mm. Such a huge turnout. And the weather was atrocious as well. So it was. to have what it was nearly 80,000 fans at Wembley, it's amazing to see. But there's been a bit of criticism for Phil Neville in the work he's done, particularly since the World Cup. Do you think it's fair? I think it's a sign of progression in the conversation around women's football in England because I think there's still a little bit of and of course it is a developing sport there's no getting away from that but I think you know there is something slightly patronizing to talking about the occasion all the time and talking about the development all the time and you know just almost taking the actual sport itself as you know just a a sideline I think the fact that we're getting to a point where we're discussing Phil Neville where people not just us, not just people who cover women's football all the time, but people who've begun to take more of an interest in women's football in the wider football watching public are starting to discuss whether Phil Neville's doing a decent job or not. That shows that we're moving on, that we're not just talking about the broad themes. Of course, there are um, strides to be made. Um, you know, there could be more sponsorship, more backing from big business. And I, I think that's pretty clear. But I, I feel quite good about the fact that we're got to the point where there are enough people interested that they can look at it quite critically and say rather than just dwelling on the World Cup say is he actually doing the right thing on the other hand I think that's kind of encouraged by Phil Neville himself he's talked quite openly about the fact that they've struggled to find their way since the semi-final of the World Cup there's a real test of him as a coach of course we know he has that background and that connection with elite women's sport through through his sister Tracy we know that of course but in terms of a manager in women's football he is still pretty new and this is something we see in management in men's and women's football if you get someone who's new to the table they do really well at first when they hit their first wall that is the real test and that's exactly what this is of Phil Neville at the moment. I think um, you look at the fact that he's trying to evolve their style. He's trying to make them a little bit more direct at times. And it's interesting because, you know, he said, well, you know, it's, it's all very well to talk about your principles. It's something he talked about after the Germany game. But the fact is, there is an issue with the fact that we're losing five out of the last seven. And that is something that I have to address in the here and now. It's very honest of him. It was very honest of him. And, and Kieran Tavum, who does all the women's football pieces for The Athletic, who I yeah, follow excellent. religiously. He's he's absolutely brilliant and lovely guy as well. Um, he wrote a piece off the back of the match on Saturday that lost to Germany at Wembley. And he was kind of talking a bit more about the tactical sort of decisions that have been made by Phil Neville in the kind of last few games. And that... That's actually what's being criticised. And like you say, I think it's a good thing that yes. we're focusing on on women's football from a tactical perspective and, and that there is criticism. That That's a step in the right direction, in my opinion, as well. But don't you think part of it, Jules, is, is the fact that uh, there's something that people really noticed during the Women's World Cup and we've carried on to notice, I think, in, in, in football punditry elsewhere, that, that the fact that the quality of the female pundits we have is generally so high 
that encourages that sort of discussion. I'm, I'm thinking Karen Carney for one. She's she's yeah. excellent. She's excellent on on men's football as well. And that's something that has brought the discussion along as well. Yeah, and Karen's a good mate of mine and we we were talking about the match and and she said to me that she feels like there there is a little bit of a hangover from the Women's World Cup from the girls at the moment and it's that kind needs of the, to be addressed. It's kind of the opposite of what happened with the men's team and the Gareth Southgate. I mean, do you think part of that is the fact that I think what worked really well for Southgate and England after the 2018 World Cup in Russia is that they had the Nations League to go into straight away. So they yeah. had meaningful matches straight away. And that's not been the same for Phil Neville and the Lionesses. I mean, I know in life you have to attach meaning to whatever you want to attach meaning to. And for example, this game against... Germany is, is is a case in point. The fact that people are there, the fact that it is a record crowd, the fact that it's Germany yeah. who are a real leader in European or women's European football, I, I think is is a big deal. But but I think it's natural, like Karen says, that there is that kind of lag as well. She actually uh, talked about that when when we were discussing it. It's like you were in our conversation um, because she said that. In the times that she played, and obviously Karen retired this summer, mm. in the previous tournaments that she's played in, she said what tends to happen is that after the tournament, you would have qualifiers. So you tend to play what she called, you know, naff opposition. Yeah. And therefore, you'd be able to get over that World Cup hangover. So because you'd, you're likely to beat that opposition yes. because they're not quite as good as you in those qualifiers. And and because England for, for so long have been one of the more elite women's football teams internationally, they got quite a lot of victories in those qualifiers and, and would perform quite well off the back of coming out of a tournament. Whereas what's happened this time is they've played really good opposition in friendlies like Brazil and then like Germany at the weekend. And therefore they've not really been able to get over that hangover. Well, you, you mean you need to hammer some chumps to make yourself feel better? That pretty much is what she's yeah. saying. And that's what's happened in the past is that they weren't able to regain their confidence off the back of a exit from a tournament because they played opposition that were easy to beat. Whereas that's not really happened this time. They've played better opposition. And therefore this kind of little run that's not been too great for the Lionesses has continued. And it, it's a real shame to see England lose on Saturday, especially so late on. Yeah. Because a draw wouldn't have been the end of the world, even though it wasn't England's best performance. You no. don't want to lose on home soil and you don't want to lose on an occasion like that when you've got a record crowd at Wembley watching the Lionesses. It, it was just a shame that it happened like that. And particularly because there was the missed penalty again from Nikita Paris and and. And that's something that I think uh, I'm intrigued to know everyone else's thoughts on that because she's she's a young player. She doesn't have a great deal of experience in these big games. And she's now missed, I think, three of her last four penalties. And Phil Neville is continuing to, you know, choose her to take the spot kicks yes. for the Lionesses. I don't know whether that's the right decision because I feel like part of I'm a bit I'm a bit I'm a bit split on it because part of me thinks I quite like the fact that he's still kept the faith in her so mm. that she doesn't lose her confidence and he gives her another go to try and score a penalty. But then at the same time, why stick with something if it's clearly not working? Yeah, I, I suppose that's, a, that's a, a big question. I think especially with penalties where psychology is such a, a huge part of it. I mean, I do remember Teddy Sheringham, maybe Tottenham fans can set me exactly straight at uh, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com at Jules Breach at Andy Brassel at Football Ramble. But there was definitely a Spurs season where Teddy Sheringham missed a good six. 
and that amazed me that he was allowed to carry on. I always thought of him as a good penalty taker. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can look at the best of the best. Look at look at Leo Messi. I mean, he has a below average success rate for for penalty takers. I think he's successful with something like. 72% of his penalties, something like that, which is below the average of scored penalties generally if we factor in not just world-class players. Milivojevic. But all penalties. Yeah, <laughs> he's different. Oh, he, God. He, now, now he's, he's the GOAT if we're, talk, <laughs> if, we're, if we're talking about penalties. I think Nikita Paris is an interesting discussion though, Jules. And I think she's really where England are at to an extent in, in microcosm because to me, they did fantastically in the World Cup, maybe ever so slightly better than I expected, given that it was a World Cup rather than a, a, a Euro, certainly in terms of final result. Um, I think it's difficult to get over simply because, you know, on another day they could have beaten the US. Having said that, I think you could say the same about the French in the previous round. You could say the same even about the Spanish in in the round of 16. Like All three of them inconvenience the, the the states to a, a greater or lesser extent and had a few things go against them but but now to follow that up that is the next stage in development let's not talk about the development off the pitch for a moment because that's going great guns but we'll talk about the development on the pitch now for me the the one player in that team who i think she's truly elite she's absolutely one of the best players in the world is Lucy Bronze. That to me is beyond discussion. But I think part of that, she's been at Lyon for a couple of years. They're the best team in the world. She knows her role in the team. She knows the standards. She knows the expectations. She knows what it takes to be one of the very best players in the world. Uh, now, it's a compliment to England and English women's football that Lyon want to get other English players over there. But you don't walk in there and just get in the 11. Mm. And we've seen Nikita Paris contribute for them this season. We've seen Alex Greenwood contribute for them this season. Izzy Christensen has obviously had her injury difficulties. I'm sure she'll get over those. But it's almost like you're having to start all over again. And that is the bit where you go from being a very good player to being an elite player. And it's hard. It's really hard. And so for a player, like you say, like Nikita Paris, who's really away from England for the first time, to do all that adaptation on a personal level that Lucy Bronze had to do and by her own mission quite struggled with at the start and absorb everything and meet the standards that were expected of you and to go from being a main player in your team to fighting with, you know, you could look at, the, the Germany team that they were playing on, on on Saturday night. And, you know, you look at Jennifer Marijan there. That is the sort of player that you're playing alongside when you're you're playing for Leon. So on one hand, it's a compliment that they've been asked to go. But on, on the other hand, it's a huge climb to establish yourself in that environment. It's the same with Alex Greenwood. She's, you know, got Batcher to 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 fight for a place with be it a, a left back or or left wing back it's all going to take time and I think those efforts that you have to make on a personal level to improve yourself kind of makes it a state of flux for the for the team as well to a certain extent it's a lot of pressure for the likes yeah, of Nikita Paris to be playing for the best women's club 
in the world. You know, Leon yeah. are the best club, and that's a well-known fact. And and that move for her over there was such a such a big deal. And obviously, being able to to go along and and have other English teammates there with her to help her settle in, I'm sure, has done her the world of good. But when um, we were at the start of the season and I worked with Phil Neville on the Manchester Derby for BT Sport, I asked him about, you know, the girls going abroad to play for other clubs because obviously here in the UK, we want to see the best English players playing in the WSL because... Mm. We want our game to grow and we want the WSL to continue to produce the best players and we want to see the best players on show here week in, week out. Yes. However, I asked Phil what his opinion was as the England manager, you know, like, is this is this a positive thing for you? And he said, for me, it's nothing but positive. He said, Nikita going over there and teaming up with Lucy Bronze and, and Alex is the best thing for her development because, of course, we would love to see our homegrown players playing in England in the WSL every weekend, but you can't turn down an offer to go and play for the best women's club mm. in the world. And so he said that for her development, that's something that as England boss, he loves to see. And, you know, it, it's fair play to him that he's still, you know, getting her to take these spot kicks. We don't see the girls training every single day or, or each week or whenever they're with the England camp. We don't know what she's been like in training with those penalties. So... You know, who are we to judge for for Phil Neville, you know, continuing to pick her to take the penalties? But she's clearly a, a quality player and and one of England's best and England's future as well. So it, it's, it is an interesting discussion, though, because I know that a lot of fans have been debating whether or not that's the right decision. And they've been questioning Phil Neville on that. But, yeah, who are we to judge, really? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All 
you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash ramble. Jules and Andy on footballrambledaily.com. I'm Andy Russell. She's Jules Breach. You've you got get it the right way around this time. <laughs> I thought I just kept getting it wrong in rehearsal. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. Have I been getting it wrong, listeners? You can mail and tell me. Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com, at Jules Breach, at Andy Brassel, at Football Ramble is uh, the mothership. Um, you know what? Let's let's talk about your team, but not talk about your team. I mean, you may think your team had a bad weekend, Jules, because you lost. I would take that, see you, and raise you, drawing with Doncaster in the <laughs> FA Cup, so you get an extra game that you don't really want when you're trying to get away from relegation at the bottom of League One. There you go. I've got it off my chest. We're not going to talk about the Brighton end of losing at Old Trafford. I know you're disappointed with the performance. However, Manchester United were very good. They were really good. And um, I had tickets to the game, but I didn't end up going. And I'm quite glad I didn't go now because that would have been a long journey home. Um, I had tickets, but I ended up working on Sunday. So I didn't go to the match. Um, and I only obviously managed to watch the highlights on match of the day because the Best, game wasn't televised. Um, we weren't great, but I think it was purely down to Manchester United being really good on the day. And and that's not something we've said often this season, but the return of Anthony Martial and possibly the confidence that the team got after qualifying for the Europa League knockout stages in the week with a very comfortable victory over Partizan Belgrade. I think that... The team are just playing with a lot more freedom and a lot more confidence and they looked a lot better than what I was expecting them to look against us on Sunday. There's an interesting tweet we've got here. Uh, Pierre Idelecto um, at Yashot has written in, thanks Pierre, and says, is the United team performing better without Pogba now, free from the shackles of his 10 or 8 quandary, all well set for him to return as deep-lying number 10 in the mould of Frankie Lampard? We can't get through anything without talking about Frank Lampard at at the moment. Um, Personally, I think Pogba will still be a great addition when they come back, um, can fit him anywhere. Ideally, they would have built the team around him in the first place. But it does feel a little bit more like it's not just going to be him and a skeleton crew, that there is actually something for him to to work with, which maybe didn't seem like the case before. I mean, is it as simple as the return of Martial? Because not only does he add something to the forward line, not only do you have that movement and the finishing, but he brings more out of Rashford. He does. I think Rashford's looked quite isolated the last yes. few weeks without Martial there and just having them being able to link up, they're just Rashford just looks happier. He looks more confident. He's making runs that we haven't seen him make in the last few weeks when Martial was out injured. And I just think as a pairing, they offer something dangerous going forward and that's difficult and then when you've got Dan James in the mix as Mm. well and it was his birthday on Sunday as well so he got his little birthday wish with that win Um, I I thought you were going to say he got his birthday bumps (laughs) from uh, from Brighton's defenders (laughs) clobbering him left right and centre 
Go on, Dunkey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, da- Dan James, we, we've talked about him a lot this season, haven't we, Andy? And, um, we have. You know, he's been one of Manchester United's standout players so far, which we talked about before, says a lot about United this season because a new young signing like him shouldn't really be Manchester United's standout player no. when they've got the rest of the quality in their team. Um, but yeah, I just think going forward against us on Sunday, they just looked a lot better, a lot more assured, confident on the ball. And, you know, every time they attacked, I thought, oh God, they're going to score again here. And Rashford could have had a hat-trick. Mm. He could have done. And so the the, the scoreline really probably doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah, they got off a little lightly. Um, but I suppose the the real thing as well is the improvement of those young players that the, um, I guess, less angry United fans have, have been getting in touch with us have been talking about for a while. Uh, Andres Pereira had, had a good game, I thought, which was uh, a, a step forward for them. But it's just the the energy, the dynamism. It's about the, the mood, isn't it? Because, you know, United are developing some young players. Chelsea, as we've been talking about left, right and centre, have been developing young players. But I think we said a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Jules? It just looks so much more fun for Chelsea. It's not just been about the results, which, of course, recently for Chelsea have taken a, a sharp upturn. There's very few points at this season where what United have, are doing looks fun. And I think that's underrated. It's always an underrated thing, isn't it, in the football experience, that the fact that we can be looking at the medium term and the, the long term so intently that you can overlook the beauty in those Manchester United fans just turning up, mm-hmm. watching the game and being entertained after a lot of bloody miserable football in the last couple of years. So we could sit here and we could talk about, well, they still need to sort out the football management structure. They do. Um, does this mean anything solved in terms of, does it mean they're qualifying for the Champions League? Well, no, it doesn't. But what it does mean is that those United fans who I think have been pretty patient since Sir Alex Ferguson went have actually had an afternoon where they thought, oh yeah, we've been entertained there. Yeah, and that's what you want to see as a football fan, isn't yeah. it? You, you pay your money to go to these matches or, you know, if you're not there, you're watching it on telly and you're a, you're a fan of that club. You want to see entertaining football and Sometimes, even if that means you don't get the result you want, if the team are playing well and they're putting in the effort and you you feel like they've tried hard to play good attacking football, you almost don't mind the results so much as long as the team are mm. playing well. And and in terms of result, now Manchester United, with that win over Brighton, puts them seventh in the table. They're only a point behind Arsenal, which you know doesn't say a lot because Arsenal not an endorsement. Great. It's not an endorsement. No. But that top six now doesn't look unachievable for Manchester United whereas we'd be talking about United in a very different way had they not beaten Brighton because they would have been sort of you know 13th or 14th in the table I think which would have been not what you'd expect from United at this stage and I'm not saying that we're seeing you know the United that we're expecting yet because I don't think they're there yet but it's definitely a step in the right direction the type of football they played on Sunday was is more what United fans want to see and you know scoring three goals at home giving the fans something to celebrate I say it through gritted teeth but it was it was a good performance from Manchester United yeah and it was if we go back to the beginning where they beat Chelsea 4-0 on the first day of the season obviously that looks terrific in paper on paper this is a much better performance yeah. this feels more controlled more like they know what they're doing more like there's a plan 
for the first time in a in a very long time. I mean, do you think they've got a bit of confidence from what's happened for them in terms of the Europa League? I mean, all right, it's not the most difficult group in the world, but you look at the way they dealt with Partizan through the week, and you know there was that sense of control. That there was also that sense that say someone like Rashford, who's one of their premier players, is enjoying himself, and also the sense that the younger players like Mason Greenwood are getting very, very useful miles on the clock. They'll have taken so much confidence from from qualifying at this stage of the competition because they could have pushed it right to the end and then we'd be talking about their European qualification as something completely different, leaving yeah. it that late. So, you know, any club to qualify at this stage of, you know, of the Europa League is is a is a really good thing because it's not easy, especially when you when you clock up all those miles. They've had to do a lot of travelling in their games so far in the Europa League, and then you add in their more Premier League more, sk- to <laughs> more to come. You, tra- you you add in you know the Premier League fixtures as well. It's you know it's it's a lot. It's a lot of games, and I think that that win and how comfortable it was in the week will have given them a lot of confidence coming into the weekend, and and United will. We'll probably now push on from that and go on a bit of a run. You know what the thing is, though, with um, the likes of uh, Martial and, and Rashford? They prove that you can be fast and stay on your feet. Now, of course, there's been this discussion about Richarlison, which is particularly intensified uh, since the Tottenham game, in which he wanted a penalty seemingly every 45 seconds. Um, he was excellent at the weekend and he scored the winner for Everton at Southampton great finish as well yeah really terrific and they seem to be turning things around he's a kind of purple patchy sort of player really isn't he Um, but interesting I thought Marco Silva's defence of him I would say vehement defence of him uh, especially on his interview and match of the day with with Gary Lineker where he talked about um, Richarlison not receiving a single yellow card for for diving in the time he'd been at Everton. Now, I would go back to that game, and I'm not saying it's necessarily something that should define Richarlison's game. There's a lot more to like about him. I'd be interested to see him get a run at centre-forward. What happens to Cenk Tosin long-term, who knows? But I would like to see him play there for Everton, given that he plays there for Brazil as well I, I think it makes sense if you can do the same for for club and country um, but if we go back to that Tottenham game not only did he get away with a dive or two Son Hun Min got away with one particular notable dive didn't he something we've, we've talked about VAR a lot well not as much as some people but <laughs> we, we, we've had to talk about it on a few occasions haven't yeah, we yeah. I wonder if a side effect of of VAR and it's, it's something that Luke talked about very eloquently on the ramble yesterday the, the idea that the, the, the problem is at the moment because you have referees sort of stepping back from making a decision because they help they think that VAR will come in to help them and then VAR not doing anything because they don't want to encroach on the referee's absolute authority on the pitch so essentially nothing happens is that is what happening is that what's happening with diving at the moment it's such a weird one because I thought the introduction of VAR would guarantee more penalties because Do you think it would did you think it would guarantee less diving? I did. Yeah, I thought it would guarantee less diving, more penalties 
And it's kind of had the opposite effect. Yeah. There's, there's for me been more exaggerated. I don't like to call them dives because I don't think they always are necessarily dives. But there's been more exaggerated going down than they're more not trying to stand up yeah it's it's just it's just been a bit weird hasn't it because especially with players that you don't really associate diving with like Mm. son for example um and so and you know some of the ways that the players are going down to exaggerate that they've had they've been clipped in the box it's just been quite interesting to see because these are decisions as well that they're not being they're not being dealt with consistently by VAR. So in one game, I remember back to the Brighton one when Aaron Connolly was fouled. Mm. That was a penalty, and I say fouled very lightly because he was he was t- he was clipped by Keane, mm. but not it wasn't it wasn't it's not a penalty for me. Yeah, and that was given as a penalty, and then you then look at last week and and those incidents that you talk about and. Son wasn't a penalty, and then Mane's wasn't a penalty, which was very similar. So it's just, Villa, yeah. it just doesn't make any yeah. sense to me because the I was expecting that players would be fearful that with VAR they're watching their every move that they would be less likely to dive. But yet what we're have what we're seeing is almost the reverse effect of that, where they're actually exaggerating moves in order to get penalties because they know there's a threshold that they have to reach in order for something to be overturned. Yeah, uh, I think that's that, that's probably it, isn't it? I mean, I, I guess what you've got to be more concerned about rather than being punished for diving, the, the only thing really you've got to be concerned about is the wrath of Sean Dyche because <laughs> that's something that he gets really, really upset about more than any other coach that I can think of in the Whoa. in the top flight. <laughs> <laughs> I just love just him. like just that. Just like that. that. I was about to do a Sean Dyche impression. I need to have a few, I need to have a few more nights out and and twenty <laughs> cigarettes before I come on air. <laughs> but yeah, no, he um yeah, God, he he has been going in on it, hasn't he? And yeah. I don't blame him because it's one of the things that we don't want to see in football. We don't want to see diving. And we... can I tell you, I'm not fussed about it. Are you not? I I, I don't I don't really think don't it's care. a. Yeah, I don't really think it's a massive big deal. I just think, yeah, if if you're going to hang a leg out as a defender, you deserve all you get. Well, they all do it, so I can understand why you don't really care that much. But to, to, to me, what's far more... Diving's a bit irritating. Over the over the, the, the top of the ball tackles, that is a is a problem. Yeah. And I, I think there are, there are a lot more studs-up tackles than there used to be. And that is a big deal because... Diving is just a bit of a pain, a bit of an irritant. It doesn't really finish anyone's career or anything like that or put their career in serious trouble or, or set people back six or, or 12 months, does it? Um, but yeah. But it is cheating. You know what? Holding holding people at corners is cheating. But everyone yeah. e- everyone does it. Stealing five yards at a throw-in is cheating but everyone does it. But I think the, the English game particularly has bees in its bonnet about mm-hmm. what's acceptable cheating and what's not acceptable Very cheating. Very true. I mean, or, There's I, a I threshold on cheating. There is. I mean, what's cheating and what's a marginal game? It's just like any any kids playing games. You're always testing the boundaries, aren't you, when, when you're a kid and when you end up playing that game as an adult, mm. you do exactly the same thing. Do you know what I hate you? more than anything? Go on. When people cheat in board games... Example. 
so articulate favorite board game ever what's articulate oh my god andy <laughs> oh we need a board game night <laughs> articulate is so good um it's uh, a game where you have to articulate or describe the words that are on the card and you play right. in teams and you describe the words to the people in your team and however many you get right you move forward through the board and you just have to make it round to the finish line maybe i'm being naive but who, how do you cheat at that um, by moving the, the counterpiece further ahead when the other team aren't looking. And I've played many a time. And because I, I, I'd like to say I'm quite good at this game, um, <laughs> I, me and the girls, we often play girls versus boys. Right. And the girls are just much better than the lads. Right. And the boys just always try and cheat in board games. And I'm sorry, but I'm not having that. Really? If you're not playing fair, don't play at all. You know, the, the next time you see a throw-in being taken, <laughs> you'll think of someone cheating at Articulate. I get very uh, angry. Not, not, only do they angry. Not, yeah, not only do they steal ground, but they don't even pull the ball back properly over their head nowadays. We'll have a whole episode on yeah, throw-ins at will. some point, but um, maybe we won't record it for you to listen <laughs> to because it would be exceedingly dull. Um, but you have been very nice to us, as you're always very nice to us, and uh, sent us some mails. There's one here from uh, David Spencer. This is a nice one. Uh, hi, guys. As is the case, uh, first-time emailer, but I love the pod. I live in Orlando, Florida, and usually listen while driving or doing chores in my apartment you two definitely make stressful necessities better <laughs> i'm uh, writing to second your newly favorite minted favorite listener from last week oh there's competition now oh. they're all trying to get in our good books i'm a long-suffering now ecstatic leicester fan and the top flight was uh, hard to watch while the leicester uh, while the foxes were struggling to to get back in um picking any premier league team to follow was hard because the emotional attachment just wasn't there but now I'm also following Brighton and getting excited every week <laughs> what are you doing to these I people I love it Brighton have got so many new fans and Andy it's hard, hard, harder to even see Wimbledon highlights over here <laughs> uh, but Fair I've play, informed way you. too many people over the years that Vinnie Jones used to be a very hard footballer for the Dons either way brilliant show really fun to listen to and wish you guys were coming stateside NYC for the NYC Brooklyn show but I guess I'll, I have to settle for the other lot David thanks uh, David cheers David love that new Seagull supporter I should be on commission yeah, you should be. You, you certainly should be if those worldwide memberships start selling like hotcakes. Hot uh, we've also got um, a point of order here from uh, uh, William Carson from California. Um, Hi, Jules and Andy. After hearing about Jules' trip to the NFL match, I started wondering about the different pronunciations of Jaguar. I'm presuming he says Jaguar. Uh, it, it, it turns out the word entered the English language via Portuguese. So, Andy, that being the case, wouldn't the American pronunciation be more correct than the British pronunciation? Thanks, and I love the show. Well, regardless of whether it's correct or not, I definitely prefer Jaguar. A hundred percent to Jaguar. The effort that he's gone into there to find out the you know the history of the word. I'm impressed. The thing is, when you say Jaguar like we do, it Jaguar. makes it sound like it's got an e in it. Which it hasn't. No, Jaguar. 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 So much better, isn't it? Why can't we say everything in an American accent? We'll do the whole pod in an American accent next week. What? <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. As always, get in touch with us at Jules Breach, at Andy Brassel. Have a good week and we will see you next week. It's an international break, but don't worry. We're still going to be here.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.